welcome back everybody. Um, hopefully everybody's had a chance to get a cup of tea, everything like that. Good stuff. So just before the break, we left you with that question um, from Rob. Uh, as, as coaches, do you want to focus on being creating the very best team uh, to play a particular formation, or are you going to create a way where you can be very, very adaptable? Let's go and just speak to uh, a few people that have uh, put answers in. Really appreciate that. Let's speak to um, Oliver. Evening, Oliver. How are you? Hi, mate. Yeah. How are you? You okay? Yeah, I'm good. Thank you. Yeah, good. Thanks. Good. Really good. Thanks. So, I mean, do you just want to go straight to Rob and answer answer that question? Yeah. So, you see, my obviously all the top managers over the world like having to adapt to certain teams. Obviously, you saw Pep trying to do in the Champions League final last year, but it didn't work. But he thought that would be the best way to play. Still there, Oliver? Yeah, do you, can you hear me then? You, you, you just slaughtered Pep Guardiola and then it went out. Ah, uh, yeah, because obviously he tried to adapt to the way Chelsea played, but obviously it didn't work that well. But you see managers all over the world having to do it. Yeah, so 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 what what you I guess what you're saying to Rob is is that you do need to adapt. Yeah, to certain teams you play, yeah. Would you agree with that? You've got to adapt to the team that you're playing? Yeah, I, I think obviously the factors involved for me are do you think the opposition are better than you? You know, do they pose a far greater attacking threat? So do you have to go, for example, with a with a back five as opposed to a back four? Will you get overrun? Um, do you forsake your best players out there to with in your best team? That was what I was getting at. Is it is it at times not an arrogance, but a, a self-belief that no, nah, that's my best eleven. If I've got them available, I'm just going to go out with the best I can. Sometimes I'm going to have to take a hit. Sometimes I'm going to come up against better opposition and they might smash us 4-0, but I'm going to stick to this. Or do you adapt when you see the opposition and look at it and go, well, today we might need to go back five and just, you know, make sure that from a defensive point of view, we're nice and solid and then a different game plan. It might be a counter-attack. Um, but interesting, yeah, everybody's, uh, you're right. You've got, to, you've got to be able to adapt, absolutely. Thanks, Oliver. I really appreciate your... Your comments there. Let's go to Rich. Hiya, Rich. Evening, right? How you doing? Yeah, good. 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 Um, you're on. You're on with Paige. I enjoyed your comments. I, I just want to read your comment verbatim in terms of your answer to the question. No, for me, it's uh, I'd, I'd kind of look to adapt. It would. It depend very much on on circumstance. So which players have you got available? Um, some might not fit a certain style of play, either in or out of possession. Um, could be uh, high press, you haven't got the players for it. Could be playing out, you haven't got the players for that. Um, or it may be that the opposition play in a certain way and it just requires that change in shape to, to both counter their threat and expose any weaknesses they might have. Yeah, it's a great shot, Rich, because you're right, you know, you need energy, don't you? If, if you want to go on high press, for example, you need you need a lot of high energy on that pitch to sustain that over a 90-minute period. Yeah. Uh, there's, there's stages through the game where sometimes you might have a 15-minute break where you say, right, go to a mid-block, recharge, and then you go again. 
Um, and again, that's adapting on, on your feet, thinking on your feet while the game's going on as well and changing your, your, your shape. But you're right, personnel has a big say in that. Some managers in the past have absolutely, irrespective of personnel, they've still gone with the same shape and tried to get the same points across. But um, I, I think you've got it spot on. I think, yeah, the, the key thing is you've got to be able to adapt with regards to the opposition and the personnel you've got available to you. Yeah. Yeah. You happy with that, Rich? Yeah, brilliant. Thanks, Rob. Pleasure, Rich. Thank you. Thank you. So just to pick up something Richard said there, at what decision, would, at what at what time period before the game would you be looking to make a decision? You know, would it, you know, because you don't know what the team's going to be, do you? No, I mean, as soon as, they get, as soon as one game finishes, whether you're in a tournament environment or whether you're in domestic football in a league, if you finish five o'clock Saturday night, you know, you've got everybody fit or come Sunday, you'll know any repercussions from the Saturday with regards mm. to players' injuries. Mm. You'll already have one eye on the next game. Absolutely, you'll have you'll have done your own work already, or part of it, and then the the Sunday then will totally be on the opposition, and then you have a planning place straight away, right? So come Tuesday, Monday, Tuesday, your work days, but your your principles and how you want to play against that opposition will already start to be implemented on those those early days. Let's just take one more um, one one more example. Uh, Paul, can you hear us, Paul? Yeah, I can do. Can you hear me? Yeah, good evening, yeah, mate. Hi, Paul. I, I, interesting comment from yourself, Paul. About also changing to be um, perhaps sometimes even more offensive. Yeah, I, I think um, for me as well, a performance analyst is is crucial in this because obviously you want them to you know come in half time, uh, ideally with spotting the weaknesses or or how to counteract the opposition's strengths. Um, you know how you can change the animations within your formation. So either create an extra overload uh, out wide, or you might want to, you know, drop a man in to uh, help take the back four as well. So, how, how do you see that performance analysis role, Rob, in uh, in your game plan? Yeah, really, really important, really important. So they do a lot of work for us. So we'll, you know, the work that goes into planning for the Euros, let's say, you know, we'll have had meetings a couple of months before we even met up on camp. In the four days um, while the Premiership was still going on, we had the Championship players in for four days before that. We met a couple of months before that with regards to, you know, how how we want to play, how we want to play in the Euros. So every team that we potentially could be up against was analysed, and there was a lot of work that went into it. You know, we had the 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 main the top analyst would would drive it for us, but there'd be a a group of six seven other scouts behind him that would be told we'd have meeting after meeting, and and this is what we're looking for. This is how we want to play. So this is how we can hurt teams. Have a look at their strengths for us. And you're right, it's a really, really important role. And then they've got to deliver that back to us. And then we have a game plan moving forward. But without that knowledge and understanding of how the opposition play, Paul, like you said, is, you know, it's pointless doing it. We're not pointless doing it. Some managers in the past have gone, don't worry about analysis. I'll tell you how they're playing after 10 minutes of the game. You know, I think now you've got to, you've got to do your due diligence and, and look really in detail at the opposition. And, and that might be the difference you're winning and losing games. Mm. Yeah, thanks for that. Um, how far do you go back? We saw Bielsa, didn't we, uh, when there was the Derby County issue, it seemed to go back forever and uh, the, the level of detail he gave uh, about that. I mean, how, how many games do you go back? Yeah, three games, Spence, is like a rule of thumb, we say. So we'll have a look at the, you know, and and, and again, formation. So we, we'll only look at teams that have played the formation that we want to play. Mm. It's pointless looking at a team that are playing a 4-4-2 against, let's say, looking at Belgium. 
it's pointless looking at teams that have played 4-4-2 against them because the press is going to be different, their build-up is going to be different. So we want to look at how we can exploit them. And to do that, who played well against them in our formation. Um, and we tried to look back at as many examples of that. There wasn't too many, I might add, for the Belgian game, but perhaps that was a bad example. But, but Belarus, certainly, where we could hurt them and exploit them and score the goals that we needed to. So it's a really important part of the game for me. This, this adaptability, this changeability, uh, is, is, there, is there a greater emphasis on that in international football versus, versus club football, Rob? You know, people sort of Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday in, in the club environment. Have you found it more emphasis on, on, on this? And a sort of second question as well is, in, during the game, what's the process if you were going to change a formation in the game? Who would drive that? Would it be your eyes driving it or would it be the analysts, the other coaches? How would that work? Yeah, in, in tournament environments, you don't get a lot of days to prep the next game. So you, you, you have to think on your feet. A lot, of, a lot of the information we give the players is through meetings. So we'll, yeah. And again, the, the analysts, that's where they earn their money. From one game to the next, if there's, if there's a game, three, four days later, they earn their money because they will yeah, want yeah, yeah. And we give them that information. And then by the following morning, they'll have it. They'll deliver it to us. I'll go through it and, and see what's re- what I think is relevant. Um, and, and even in games, you have to adapt and you can do all the planning. It's happened to me as recently as, as Belarus. We thought they might play a back four because against the Czech Republic, they, they went to a back four instead of a, a back five that they played throughout the whole campaign. And we've done a lot of work on how we were going to press them and how we were going to uh, build up with them playing a three and, and they changed to a back four. But when we saw the team sheet, we anticipated that they might go a four. So I just done a little bit of work on the tactics board with them in the changing relative. So I got the, the groups out, so the back four, midfielders, forwards, and just went through some slight tweaks to how we're going to press and how we're going to build up. But they were two main factors, really, that, that will you know will get us on the ball. So you've, you've got to be adaptable again, is that word. In a game, Rob, in a game, if the opposition changes their formation to try and combat, try and combat you, how long do you... How long do you observe that for? How long do you give it before you make a, a counter decision? You make a decision against what they've done. Is it five minutes? Is it ten minutes? Have you got a rule of time or? I think this is where your staff come into it as well, and, and your analyst is really important in this because they get the bird's eye view, so they're up in the up in the roof looking down on it, and, yep. and I'll already give them sort of two or three pointers before they go out before the game starts. So I'll tell mm. them to look for certain traits, aspects that I think they might do. Because don't forget, we, we'll have watched this team you know, three or four times. So we know that if they're a goal behind, do they make this change? If they're two yeah. goals in front, do they make that change? And we anticipate what they're going to do um, and, 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 and have a plan in place anyway. So, you know, and that message might come down from, from the analyst. Um, sometimes when, you, when you're in the technical area and you're caught up with the emotion of the game, you can't see the wood through the trees and you just yeah. caught up with so many things that... That's where the good assistant steps up and he goes, he just takes a step back. Sometimes I've done it where I've gone, right, assistant, you come and, you come and stand at the front. Let me just go and have five minutes, strip the emotion out of it and let's see what's happening from a tactical point of view. Hmm. So, yeah, it's, it's about the team on that occasion. And, and, and if you've done your work right going into games, then you'll, you'll sort of already anticipated what the changes might be um, and hopefully then have a plan to rectify it. If not, it's toe-to-toe and roll your sleeves up and have a go against them. Like that, like that. That's the veil in you, Rob. That's the veil still in you. <laughs> <laughs> Just on that, with it, with the players. So, uh, you know, for example, the Belgium game. So, how much of the analysis do you run through with the players? I mean, do you, do you have them for 
you know, quite a lengthy period breaking it down, or do you, do you clip it down a bit so it, it's not overloaded? So we had we, we had a game Saturday night. Um, we went to watch the rugby on Sunday. I purposely give them the Sunday off, no football at all on the Sunday. Um, some of them played golf. They had a little bit of downtime. That was that was their time to just get their minds ready and, and, and bodies ready to go again on Monday with a big game on Tuesday. Um, then on Monday, then it's unit meetings. And then I'll, I'll deliver the game plan in Monday night. So throughout the day, we'll have unit meetings and we'll have the, the, the goalkeepers and defenders. Then we'll have the midfielders and forwards and we'll have two unit meetings and and, and go through the, the, the game plan on, on how we can, you know, beat Belgium. And uh, there's a lot of information in that. We try to limit it to... It's about, we, we try to get it down to about eight minutes, yeah. the clips. So, of course, when you talk, it's, it's a half an hour meeting. It's not it's not eight minutes. But when you show each clip, you dissect it, you go through it. But we try to get it to about eight minutes if we can. After that, you know, we all know what footballers are like. We can switch off and it just becomes a little bit monotonous. So we, we try to keep it as short as possible, really. Um, yeah, and then like I said, we then, then what we do then is we we deliver um, every centre forward that Belgium will have, you know, because again we were trying to anticipate is Ben Teke going to play, um, you know, we weren't sure who's going to play up top, so yeah. we get all the defenders in and we show them every centre forward and their best clips and the goals they score and their traits and their strengths and and, uh, and try to give them a heads up and, and as much information and detail going into it. Yeah, I, I look, I think it's absolutely magic what you do, and, and again, I think it speaks back to what you spoke about earlier is that. You know, if you want to dine at the top table, you know, these are the absolute, you know, these are the minimums. This is what all the other nations are doing that are going to the World Cups that are getting into the last stages of international football. So, you know, I think that, that's absolutely fantastic. Um, right, moving it on to protection there. A really, really interesting question for, the, for me. You're playing at the elite level, right? You're playing at the elite level. Some of the players will still have individual areas of their game that can be improved. So when you have them in, whether it's the 50 hours a year, whenever you get them in, how much of your time is devoted on preparing for the game? And how much are you actually identifying little individual areas of concern as well that you're trying to improve whilst you've got them? Yeah, I'd say probably a 90-10 split, if I'm being honest with you, right? I think yeah. 90% of it, you know, from a selfish point of view, you need to get the team in shape, if not in shape, but give them the best preparation to win a game of football. Um, individually, that's where we then try to have that dialogue with the club and give them feedback. And we, do, we absolutely do that with the intermediate groups. Not so much the first team, obviously. We haven't got the time. Two days prep going into it. If they do their individual work it'll be after training so they'll yep. keep them out for 10-15 minutes a lot of a lot of the boys like to finish in and and and, and work on that aspect of it i sometimes take the defenders and, and we work on you know the basics of defending sometimes yep. and, and headed clearances and or volley clearances and just go through some tactical work like that and technical work at the end of training that's the only time you get with it but certainly from an intermediate group if we've had them on a two three day camp we'll absolutely the detail we go into or the coaches go into matty jones is an example i've brought in as a coach, the ex-player, his detail is phenomenal. You know, when he gives each each appraisal of, of the players um, and he'll go through the three days that we've had and that's really important for him, you know, to help development. And the clubs appreciate that as well because, you know, they know the areas, they got the, they got the players day in, day out. And it's important for them to know how they are when they're on campus. They've got the same issue though, haven't they, Rob? Because 
they're getting ready for the next game, getting ready for the next game, and you'll know you, you know you'll you'll know yourself where you know once you are in that first team environment, the opportunity to get yourself individually on some of the fundamental things. Time's limited, isn't it? Yeah, it is. I went and done my um, when I was on my pro license, and I'm going back six, seven years now. I, I went to Juventus as my foreign study visit, and I, and I watched how the academy was running, and it was interesting to see their their outlook on it, and it was. They develop the best from within that group. So yeah, they, the, the group are planning for their youth game on the Saturday, but they cherry pick the best players out and do individual work with them as well. So there's there's almost two groups working. You know, a bit of a slap in the face, I'd imagine, for the lads that haven't been picked out. But yeah. you know, but that's them looking over, going, "All oh, right, why aren't I picked yeah. out? Why aren't I?" You know, it could be a psychological thing as well. So mm -hmm. that's their time to get the individual work into them as well. You know. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's really interesting. Really interesting. Look, in terms of like building game insight and understanding, so maybe probably with the intermediate level, I suppose, uh, more than the first. What are like the kind of strategies that are in place for like the 17s and the 19s? So they're, they're understanding the game. I know you know, speak to ex players sometimes just turned up and played off the cuff, it's what they did. Uh, and, to, and to build that knowledge, how do you go about that? Yeah, a lot of a lot of classroom work, Spence, goes into it. We, we have to have a structure. We have to have a structure in what we do, and they have to believe in it first and foremost. Um, and, and like I said earlier, trust in the process. We, we do a lot of um, video meetings, and we find that if we do the unit meetings, they, they speak more. So if you put a young player into a big group, it can be intimidating and fine. And that's fine. That's not, you know, that's not a... Uh, an insult by no means you know some players are more confident and so we try to do that in smaller groups and then at times we'll give them the laser and we'll ask them questions so it's it's more of a learning process then it's not us telling them what to do it's and eventually then you get to see that ah, the, the penny is dropping maybe they understand the importance of being in that position when we haven't got the ball and, and you give them the laser and you say right where, you know look where you are now but where could you be and then and then they know themselves and they just go well what about what about them we got yeah brilliant great so it's we find that those little sessions help us as well, certainly with the younger players, you know, from our 15s, 16s, then coming up to 17s, we find that's really, really works well with it. Yeah, so it's really coaching to asking questions and not telling, isn't it? Yeah, it's not, it's, you, you know, you've got to do this, you've got to do that. It's, it's they, they've got to feel part of the process. It's really important. They understand that. Um, and then you certainly get the best out of them. And they feel that, you know, they feel important and they're, they're part of it as well. Yeah, no, no, no that, that's that that, that 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 last point is 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 really interesting because I mean, have you got any examples of the players that you've worked with at the moment where you've seen you know met some of the younger players? You know, I mentioned like Ben Davis as well. He's been a younger player now. He's in this in this middle bit. Have, have you seen the change in the players individually as well? Well. The two for me that stand out that have been at played at championship level at the same club was Dan James and Joe Roden, you know, mm -hmm. and see where they've they've gone and they've come through the, the ranks. Tyler Roberts has come through from 15, 16, and mm -hmm. he's now playing his trade at Leeds in the premiership and doing really, really well. And mm -hmm. whenever he comes on camp, I see a massive improvement in him. And I think if anybody's going to get the best out of a player, it's Bielsa, that you know, that what he demands from his players. Yeah. About the sessions, the intensity of them. How we want them to go, but you're only going to get better if you work for Bielsa. You know, in my opinion, you're only going to get better, and and we've seen that with Tyler. We've seen that with Daniel James. Um, as frustrating as it is for Joe Roden, I see that he's training with top top 
you know, players every single day and that's bringing him on as well. There's nothing like playing games, don't get me wrong. But I see that, you know, they are absolutely developing and, and getting better. Really, really good. Um, I think, should we move on to the coach development section? As well? Yeah, yeah. I think questions to, to get on yeah. as, um, as well. Yeah, I mean, really, you know, speaking about your own journey, uh, Rob. So started off youth team, uh, 18s at Vale, and then being around Mickey Adams, fantastic career as a manager. I mean, what was, you know, how did your, your own development occur? I mean, was it going down the federation qualifications? Or I know you mentioned doing the pro license for the Juventus. And what's the kind of stuff that really worked for you to help you develop? Defence is nothing like just going out and making mistakes. Honestly, when I, when I first, I didn't have a clue with distances and, and, and the size of areas for, for, you know, for what you wanted to work on. Um, was it a tactical, technical element to it? Was it a physical element to it? Um, there's nothing like going out. The more you do it, the more you learn. And so for me, starting off with Port Vale's youth team, um, you know, Mickey took me in as, as youth team coach and I had a group of 16 every day and, and was, was coaching. And, and then for the first six months, I was managing them on the Saturday as well, which was, which was great, watching how the game panned out, you know, making substitutions and, um, and the reasons why. And then after six months, Mickey identified that, you know, I might have a little bit more to offer and he wanted me with the first team. Through the week, he took the training and I could, every now and again, I could watch, you know, what he did with the lads. So that was good for my development. Um, and then on a Saturday, I was watching him manage as well and his team talks. And, and again, I spoke earlier about his, his tactical awareness and his substitutions. And, um, and it, was, it was very good. And I learned a lot from that as well. Mm. And I've also been blessed to, to work with a lot of, a lot of good managers. Um, Graham Taylor, you know, um, was one of the best for me. And I, I yeah. think he was doing 20, 25 years ago what a lot of coaches in changing rooms now get paid fortunes to do. You know, yeah. he's got many hats. He was he was a manager, he was a coach, he was a psychologist, he, he was a friend when he needed it. And I and I think what Graham was very, very good at was knowing. So I just spoke about the Saturday we played Belarus Sunday, people questioned, do we go back on the grass? Do we not? And I went, no, get him off the grass. What Graham Taylor was very good at was identifying when the pitches are getting a little bit muddier and, and like from a psychological point of view, is it worth getting them on the grass, putting their boots on, doing another warm-up? And at times he'd go, right, get your kit on, but I want five volunteers. I need, so you get five volunteers, get in your car, follow me. And you go, I don't know for anybody on this chat tonight that are Watford supporters, I know the area. You've got the Harlequin Centre, there's a one-way centre. And I remember doing three laps around that once. And he just took us on a merry-go-round until we ended up near the, near the uh, hotel on the A41, parked our cars, and we went for a ramble. And we ended up in a pub, and we had a pub lunch. And, <laughs> and it was brilliant. It was exactly what the doctor ordered, because we were like, what's he doing? Where are we going here? And he'd stop, and we'd walk for an hour, and we'd end up in this little pub, and, we'd all, and he'd already planned it, booked it, and, and we sat and had lunch, and I thought he was excellent at that. He knew exactly when to get you off the pitch. Our analysis was done around his house on a Monday morning and his wife would have made sandwiches, biscuits, yeah. the tea. And he went, right, again, six volunteers, please, lads, driving your cars, follow me. We'd end up at his house and he'd do some analysis on the game from the Saturday. First class, that's man management for me. That was brilliant. No one went to get the players off the grass. So, so I've, I've been lucky to work with some very good managers in the past. Ian Dowie, his enthusiasm and his detail to every single training session was phenomenal. Um, yeah, and you, and you pick things up along the way. Yeah. Things like the you know the pro license that you did, obviously you know the Juventus, a great experience. Are there any particular things that you learnt off that that you've taken into your, your management career? No, I think what you do inevitably, Spence, is you you 
you know, you, you're interested in it. You go away. You want to, you want to see how other people and our teams do it. It's not really any different to what you want, you know, want to, what you want to do. Yeah, you might implement little things of little sessions that they do, little passing drills that I've taken from from what I saw at Juve. Absolutely, because I like the, the idea, the principle behind it, the movement. Um, but inevitably, as a coach, you're going to put your own stamp on it, and you yourself, you know. So you can watch other coaches and and how they are, and and yeah, I, I think I have taken that little bit from Graham Taylor. Um, you know, he, he had good staff around him as well. Luther Blissett, Kenny Jacket, Kenny Jacket's now at Orient, and he's one of the again one of the best managers I've worked yeah. with, and uh, he's first class, Ken. And and yeah, you, you take little things, but ultimately you just got to be yourself. And and man management for me is a massive, massive part of it. Massive part of being successful in football. If you're if you're on a level with the players and you show them that respect, like we do with getting the the um, the committee together um, and getting that you know bouncing things off each other, then I I, I think I, I think you'll do all right. Good stuff. Um, right, let's try and get through some of the uh, questions uh, that, that we've got on here. Let's uh, Simon. Um, Simon, can you hear us? Yeah, mate. Hi, Simon. How are you? Yeah, good. Thank you. Good stuff. Yeah, fine. Thanks. Your, your question to Rob? Uh, which one I wrote to? <laughs> well, well, you pick. You pick. <laughs> um, uh, let me see how I worded it first. Um, sorry, wrong one. Sorry. Uh, yeah, during the season, when you're watching your players play for the teams and you see something in their game, do you give them feedback or do you just leave it when they're actually at the teams and you only mention it when they're in your camp? Good question. Great question. I've got a good relationship with all players and, and some agents. So it can, be done in, it can be done in many ways, Simon. Yeah, if, if I'm at a game and I see something, then um, more often than not, what I tend to do is, is not badger them straight after the game. What I'll do is wait till we're on camp and then in conversation, you know, you, you ask how they are, how the family is, and then you, you, you bring it up. Oh, I was at the game against such and such, and yeah, I thought you'd done well, or I thought this happened. And so I, I, I tend to do it that way, as opposed to, you know, getting in touch with them straight after the game. Some of the younger ones, some of the younger ones, the agents will be in touch with me anyway, and sometimes I'll do it through the agent and, and mm. feed that back. And sometimes, like you said, it's, it's a direct call, and, uh, and sometimes that goes down well. But good question, yeah. Simon, I've just saw your second question, and you know I'm gonna I'm gonna let you ask the second question because I think it's a good one as well. Okay, cheers. Um, so yeah, with with the team, would you accept somebody in the squad that could potentially be a game changer, like say just get you that goal that you need, but they had a bad attitude? Yeah, uh, again, that's that's a great question. Yeah. Um, You've got to you've got to do you know, what you think is for the good of the team, and I'm 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 fortunate at the minute I've got a I've, there's not a bad egg in that changing room there's not there's not one bad player in that changing room, and I think you've got to weigh the pros and cons. Is he giving enough to the team to warrant him staying as part of the squad? Is he having a negative effect on the rest of the squad and dragging them down to his level? If he is, it becomes a problem. He can't. He won't be part of it. And not only from my point of view, but the players will not have a bad egg in that changing room. They'll not have somebody. That will drag the standards down to what they've set in the past. So, yeah, it's, 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 a, it's a tricky one, isn't it? If he's going to win you games of football every week, sometimes you have to swallow it. 
sometimes you have to go, well, listen, he's producing. If he's if it if the pros outweigh the negatives, yeah, then I'd keep him. Brilliant. Two good questions there, Simon. Excellent. Brilliant. Uh, there's another question here um, from um, uh, from Kelvin. Uh, Kelvin asks, uh, could you ask Robbie's thoughts on 11 men back to defend corners, allowing the attacking team to have multiple chances to make attempts on goal? On goal. So I'll ask you that one first because he's we're all at it now. They're all at a second question. So first of all, um, what are your thoughts on getting all 11 men back for, for corners? Right, I'm going to admit, you just froze on me and I'm not even going to recreate the face that you had when you were... Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing... I think we had, I think we had an thought. experience of you as well. I'll, I'll re-ask the question. What's the thoughts on having 11 men back defending corners? Spot on. Brilliant. Yeah, not a fan. I'm not a fan at all. If you if you watch the Welsh games recently, I've got one of the best goalkeeper coaches in Tony Roberts, who's at Wolves. And recently his manager came out and gave him some lovely plaudits in the press. And I see why, you know, I worked with I worked with T Rob now for a few months and a couple of years even, and I've known him a lot longer. Um, and I t I put him in charge of the defending set pieces, and uh, and we inevitably leave. We try to leave four up, so that we you know so that we can collect the cross and then do teams on the counter. And then they've got to they've got to you know we're asking questions of the opposition. Are you going to leave us four v four? Are you going to and and again with with what they see with Daniel James and, and the pace we got in the team and the presence of Kiefer at times, then it's a game of cat and mouse at times. But we do try to leave as many players up the pitch as we can. Spencer, you're a fan of that, aren't you? See, it's almost like a defensive measure, leaving leaving some players further up the pitch. Yeah, always leave three up. Yeah, two, ten yards in from the touchline, one central, then one on the edge to pick up the pieces and try and counter. It's amazing how many opportunities you get from that. But I think, again, it's about context, isn't it? Have you got a goalkeeper that's going to come out and claim the ball? Um, look at the, uh, the semi-pro team where I coach, a goalkeeper is able to do that. Where if you look at uh, Neffa sometimes, Ryan, it's probably a bit debatable whether you could do that, isn't it? So it's uh, horses for courses. Not yet. Can't do it. Not, not yet. yet. Not, not yet. yet. Not yet. Um, and, 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 and you're right, Rob. Actually, um, uh, you, you, your man's in charge of all the set pieces at Wolves as well. So, you know, he's, he's obviously getting some great week-to-week -week experience. Um, working there as well and as I just mentioned there as well but they're, they're all at it with these second questions and Kelvin's got in with another second question that I can't just let go um, Rob zonal marking meaning players don't really take for, uh, responsibility runners but space where, where are you with zonal marking versus man marking where, what, what, what do you prefer well we do both so we, we you know we do all three that we've just spoke about we try to leave as many bodies up the pitch as possible we absolutely cover the six-yard zone. We, we zone as well, um, and then we man mark. And, mm. and you know, when you've got the presence of of Kiefer and Gareth, they've done it really, really well for us in the past, where he just protects an area for us, and it gives the others an opportunity to just solely worry about their man. And anything that's put into that area, we know is is protected. So yeah, we we do a mixture of of all three. I'm Spencer, any comments on, on, on that, the whole zonal versus man marking? Yeah, I think you've got part zonal, part man for man, haven't you? And, uh, you know, that's what, that's what we operate at. Um, but I really like that, you know, leaving the players up top. Just out of interest, obviously, you're leaving your four up. So, you know, where, where are they positioned generally? Yeah, so similar to what you said, Spencer. Yeah, so you'll have, you'll have one either side, then you'll have the nine and ten staggered in a nine and yeah. ten position, if you know what I mean, one centrally and one centrally yeah. deeper. 
and the one yeah. centre keeper at times is, is responsible then for if anybody goes in, he's in a position where he can affect it. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. I might try that again on Saturday. See how it goes. I'll let you know, Rob. Another Welshman, Tony Pulis. Remember Tony speaking once, and he wasn't a fan when you had a corner, when it was your corner of outswinging corners. He felt like that the opposition, if they got a flick on, could break on you on, on you quicker. I mean, did you get into that little that little details as well? Are you a fan in in swingers, out swingers? No, I've heard that before. I've I've heard I've played with managers that have had that you know uh, philosophy before, where they want in swingers, and and if yeah. it's not you that gets a nick, it might be the opposition, and and if it's heading towards goal, the keeper won't be able to get it. The same with wide free kicks; it's got to be an in swinger. Um, for us, it depends on how high the defensive line is from, from wide free kicks. If they're deep, the more bodies in the way, the better, because we can, you know, Harry Wilson's deliveries against Belarus were exceptional. We scored three set pieces that night, I think it was, against them. And, and I want an in-swinger where any little flick can, can cause problems. The higher up they are, there's a lot of area in between the goalkeeper and that defensive line, so the out-swinger is probably then more beneficial. But, yeah, I've, I've played with managers in the past that have not wanted out-swingers because they can counter-attack um, comes down to your personal preference, right? Doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, I think corners are a really they're an interesting thing, aren't they? First of all, you know, fans get very excited about a corner, don't they? You know, fact, you know especially you know, the corner, there's a big roar. Actually, the stats against scoring from corners are exceptionally low. It's exciting because it's an opportunity to put the ball in the box. That's what Graham Taylor used to say. They're giving us a free opportunity to put the ball in the box, so don't disappoint. We played Belgium last week, and I don't think they've ever put a direct ball in the box. They always play short, and, and they're very good at it, I might add. They're very good at playing short corners. And again, when you look at the talent they've got, there's no surprises. Yeah, they've got one or two half decent players. Yeah, they're not, they're not bad, they're not bad. Got one. Rob, just going back to, to your um, on-coaching on journey, and has there been any moments where maybe you observed coaches or there's something you've learned? It's been a real wow moment for you. No, I, honestly, Spence, no, I think I, I always go back to, to, to Graham Taylor and the detail. Yeah. It took us an hour and a half once to walk around the football pitch and he, he spoke about the importance of each part of that pitch and, uh, and it drove us all mad at the time as players. But when I become a coach, I look back and I think, yeah, do you know what? I wish I'd have paid more attention. I wish I'd have listened more. And because I, I remember some of the things he used to say and, and it was really important. The biggest thing for me is man management. And, you know, every, every player is going to have their issues. They're going to hit good form, bad form, and it's, it's managing them. And if you've got them in the right frame of mind, going out on a Saturday afternoon or a Tuesday evening, whatever it is, then, then you've got a good chance. So for me, it's knowing when to give them a volley and knowing when to put an armour on them. Yeah, you know, you, you, the, the Graham Taylors of, 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 of this book, you see... Managers that are currently coaching that we're going to be speaking about them in the same in the same frame 20, 30 years from now, or were they were the obvious of his time? I mean, and, and, and in terms of how you're developing yourself, you know, the, the depth, the depth of knowledge, as you say, of every part of the pitch, of every part of, of, of the game. You know, why why was he able to to, to get that and, and others and others weren't? Was it just individual to him? Yeah, he lived it. He lived football. That's, it, that was his life. 
so there's no surprise why he was as successful as he, as he was, absolutely. I, I had the pleasure of working with um, Albert Steinberg, who's Mikel's assistant at Arsenal. Mm. And wow, the, the detail he goes into is, is phenomenal, is another level. So if you want to be successful, you've got to put the work in. It's as simple as that. And, and I, we are quite demanding of the staff on camp. Camps are intense. You know, people come and think we go away and it's the nice hotels and we've got the best facility. Yeah, we have, absolutely. But to do that, you know, we can be in the meeting rooms from 8.30 just after breakfast, sorting training out, speaking to the physios, making sure everybody's fighting fit, what loadings we've, we've, got, to, we've got to match for that day. Um, and then we'll have lunch and we're straight back in the meeting room and we look back at training. If it was a tactical day, did it go to plan? And all, all, the, all the training is now filmed with drones. We don't, we don't film from the side anymore. It's all wow. done with a drone. And we mark our pitch out accordingly. Um, and I won't go into too much detail about that, but we, we, we mark it out as to areas of the pitch defensively from an attacking point of view that we want to cover. And then we look back at the training and if we feel the need to deliver that back to the players because certain things haven't gone right or, or we're very good and they still need to know, we'll deliver that back after the evening meal. Um, and, then, and then after the, after that, then we'll have a staff meeting. And we'll go through the, the, the itinerary and the planning for the next day from a media point of view. What are the media department, what players do they want, what's expected of them. And then after that, the, the coaches will stay in the room and we'll plan, we'll pre-plan training for the next day. You know, with regards to what happened today, do, what do we need to work on tomorrow? And then if there's any other analysis, analysis again that we need to look, look through, we'll do that. And at times we can be leaving 10, 10.30 at night. It's not unusual to be leaving that late. So you've got to put the work in to get the rewards out. I see there, Rob, there's a lot of, you know, reviewing uh, training footage and obviously games, of course, you do that and reflecting on that. I mean, do you find time yourself to, to do your own self-reflection? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, after every session, I make sure that the, the key points, have we got them across right? Um, have we got the message across that, you know, and, and sometimes camps can be long, especially the Euros, we're away for six weeks. You know, and we, we, were, we were there from the first four days, uh, championship players in, and then the premiership players, and we go to Portugal, we come back, we go to the flight to France, and, and, and there comes a time where you've got to wake up and think, do you know what, I've, we've got to motivate a group of players here, a group of players that are now feeling the, the effects of being on camp for so long, and the, the, travel, the travel did help us, but every night you sit in your room and you, and you do self-reflect and think, right, how, how was today? How did it go? Did you get your points across? How would, the, how would the lads have thought about it? You can't help but do that, you know, because you want to create that good environment where, where, where they're going to be successful. Fantastic. We always ask our guests, um, Rob, what advice to, to, to coaches who are you know, just looking to improve and, 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 and forge, a, forge a career in the game? What would, what, what would your advice be? I think like I've just said, well, you've, you've got to be prepared to work hard, put the long hours in, go out, watch go out, watch games, go out, watch opposition. Why, why are they playing a certain formation? How, if you was up against them, what would you do to, to win that game? Um, yeah, don't be afraid to ask questions. Go and, go and watch to the manager, coaches work, if you've got that, if you've got that facility and luxury to be able to do it and ask questions. And, uh, and yeah, and, and don't overcomplicate things, honestly. Football's an easy game. It's we don't have to reinvent the wheel, or it, it's an easy game. We just gotta um, be prepared to to put the hours in to work hard. And, and like I said, for me, the biggest thing is don't be afraid to ask questions. 
when I when I had Albert with me in the summer, I was constantly constantly just you know chipping away at him because he's working with one of the best with Mikel. Mikel was with Pep, you know, so I, I want that filtered down to us as coaches. And if I can ask questions that might go, oh right, okay, that's why you that's why you press with a three instead of a two. And you know, it does make a difference. That detail does make a difference. So don't be afraid of any questions, just yeah, just continue to ask. Spencer, any final question from yourself? Um, no, I think we've covered that. I think we always try and finish on that one, don't we? Of what coaches need to do uh, to improve. And I think, you know, Rob's really clear about his own journey and the hard work he's put in, you know, the transition from player to coach and starting off, obviously, at Fort Vale uh, with the 18s and obviously the progress uh, that he's made personally as well. And I think that's a message, isn't it, for all coaches? You know, you, you get out of it what you put in. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, I can only thank you so much for your time tonight. I think there's a couple of things to, 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 to finish on. First of all, I hope everybody is going to be keeping an eye out um, on the on the 26th. Is that right for the uh, for the draw? Friday, whatever that is. Friday, Friday. Well, we'll certainly be keeping uh, an, an eye out, and we wish you um, the very, very, very best uh, for that feature. When it when is that game going to be? Yeah, the playoffs are in March, right? So we've got a little bit of time now to, yep. to get the players out playing games, and yeah. And it's just a, it, it, it's just a, it's just a, it's a one-legged game, isn't it? Yeah, there's two games. So we've the reason we wanted to finish second was because we we we're now got a home tie. We're seeded, so we're in. We're, there's a different pot of players that we could potentially play at home, and then we go through to the final. So two games away from potentially qualifying for the World Cup. Very exciting. Well, look, on a, on, a, on a personal note, thank you so much again. It, it, to be honest, you know, without blowing smoke, too much smoke will be, it was, it was absolute pleasure, you know, that brief time that I got to see you work at Port Vale. And I'm, I'm personally like so delighted to see you, you know, getting all the rewards um, that you, you definitely deserve. And I think you've demonstrated um, in ample quality, uh, quantity tonight it's not just about hard work, Rob, is it? You know, the, the absolute, you know, the calibre and the level that you're working at now is um, absolutely fantastic. And, and and really, that's the principal reason, you know, behind the, the, the results that Wales have had over the past year. So many congratulations with that. It, it's richly, richly deserved. Um, Spencer? Yeah, I mean, thanks, Rob. Uh, it's been really insightful. And I think, you know, the, the one that uh, really strikes me is this culture that you've continued uh, with the players, how they self-regulate. And I just think that's a fantastic environment. And I think it's very unusual as well to have that. And you don't see it a lot. So, you know, massive credit to you and the work you're doing with Wales. And uh, as you know, because I keep dropping the messages every time you've got a game, I'm a Wales fan now. I think my favourite game this year was Wales-Turkey. So, uh, roll cheering. Honorary Welshman now, aren't we? I think, right. So, we're following your progress. All the time. I won't, I won't go that far, Spencer. I won't go. Oh, no. We want to be mates of some new court. You know, I'm, I'm there, mate. I'm there. I've got the dragon. I'm there. Um, we'll have uh, in the world before we know it, Spence. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Spencer, uh, a little word about um, uh, our next guest uh, in December. Yes, 13th of December, I believe, isn't it, right? It is. I've just put the um, uh, link uh, to it and I'll just share our screen so you can tell us who we're going to be with. Yeah, I'll wait for it to come up, right? There we go. Dan Machichi. So uh, Dan is the uh, Arsenal lead for the 17s to the 23s and also the under 18s coach at Arsenal as well. Um, he's been with England doing the 15s and 16s, technical lead for the FA for the under 12s to 16s. 
uh, and been at MK Dons as well. He's been head of academy, he's been first team manager, you name it, Dan has pretty much done it. And I had the good fortune to spend uh, four or five days with him in Salzburg a few years ago um, on a, a high end course and uh, he's, a, he's a top, top fella, uh, another top operator. So uh, we'll be finishing the, the year with another coach's corner with a top guest, right? Excellent. I've put the link for the Eventbrite page um, in the chat box. Uh, please register. Please share as well. Um, obviously, uh, tonight's conversation will be available on the NEFA Coaches Corner podcast in the coming days as well. Um, Rob, is there anything you'd like to say before we let everybody go? No, thanks for all your questions tonight. It's been a pleasure, you two. We, we go back a long way. And, uh, you know, I, I'm in a very privileged position and, and I, I count my lucky stars every single day to be involved in this wonderful game, you know, and to... To, to play your trade in, in a game that we love so much is just absolutely brilliant. So, yeah, thanks for tonight. It's been uh, really enjoyable. Thanks, everybody. Fantastic. Thanks a lot, Rob. Thank you, thanks, everybody. everybody. Hope everybody's Good well. Night. See you next time.